Uh, Lord, hallowed be thy name. May our feet be swift. May our beds be mighty. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Now I lay me down to sleep. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the many blessings on this family. We thank you for bringing us a new friend. And we ask that you look after us on this holiday season, that we may never forget how very fortunate we are. Please, Lord. I just want to see my daughters again. If you get me through this, you answer my prayers. I swear I'll dedicate my whole life to you. I'll do whatever you want. Well, good morning. Is that it? Just making sure they were done praying. I hate to interrupt a prayer. Good morning. My name is Joel Berry. I am a member of the greeting team here at Church in the Valley, and Pastor Randy's out of town this weekend on a, at a leadership summit. So I'm here filling in, and we have been going over a, a message series on prayer, dangerous prayers. Um, and, and today this is message three of five. And so we're continuing on with, uh, in talking about prayer today, and this is strengthening prayer. So we're gonna, in a, in a few moments, we're gonna be looking at a prayer from the Apostle Paul. Uh, he wrote a letter to Christians in Ephesus, and it's a book called Ephesians in the Bible. And so we're going to look at this, this not the whole letter that he wrote, but a few verses um, of the, a pretty powerful prayer and some insights that we can get about prayer. Um, have you ever heard a good prayer? Now, we may have different criteria what that looks like, a good prayer, um, sometimes fancy words. Maybe if it got a little King James, we think that's pretty impressive. Someone said thee or thou, and I'm like, man, God probably heard that one, right? Um, but uh, it's not always, in fact, Jesus actually said he, he was pretty underwhelmed with a lot of words, right? He had, a, he had a problem with religious leaders who would kind of show off by praying. A lot of words, fancy words, and actually just out in public to show people, look, look at what I can do. Look how I can pray. So that's really, it's not really that that makes a good prayer, right? So we could go the other way and say, well, maybe it's simple prayers, right? God, thanks for this food. Keep me safe today. Amen. And there's obviously nothing wrong with that. But if you're like me, sometimes those can get mindless. Uh, where I prayed it, and if you said, hey, did you pray for that today? I'd say, probably. I probably pray that every day. Right? It's kind of like when you pull into your parking spot at work and you think, I know I drove here, but I, I don't remember any of it today. Right? It's just automatic. I remember leaving, and I remember arriving, but I don't remember anything else. Same with reading a book. Sometimes I'm reading a book. And I read the same page for about 20 minutes. I'm like, i got to stop. I read it, and I'm like, I forgot to pay attention again. I forgot to pay attention again. So we get into these things where it's just part of our routine. We do it. There may not, after a while, be much meaning to it. Um, and, and we want to be aware that actually prayer is a very valuable tool, and, and it's our communication, right? It's, it's talking to God. So let's look at um, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21 today at what Paul prayed. Um, in this in this um, passage, do we have that? Do we have that verse up? No. Oh, we do. It's over here. Okay. I'm just going to step down here. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. 
that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. I'll stop right there because we're getting into it. And, and whether we're getting all the words, it sounds good. Like I'd want someone to pray this for me, right? To be strengthened um, with power through his spirit in the inner man. This all sounds like good stuff to me, right? I'm on board with this. Now, what we're going to see emerge here as we look at Paul's prayer, uh, we're going to see a distinct difference both between what the Bible says about prayer and life and how life works and what culture says. Now, there are some things that are motivational and there's nothing wrong with them and they're good ideas. You might read them on Facebook or Instagram. Someone says, live your life with no regrets today. And you're like, I'm going to go do that. Right. Or uh, chase your dreams. Go out and get your dreams. Hunt them down. Catch them. Right. Dreams. It's a good thing. Um, or forget the past. The past is behind you. Right. I have a picture in my head of, of us kind of reading those motivational quotes, leaving the front door charged to go accomplish all that. And then say, wait, wait how am I? How am I going to do that? How am I going to live with no regrets? Because uh, we need some instruction, right, on how to accomplish these goals. And actually, Paul starts giving us some indicators that we're going to be uh, digging into a little more. Then we're also going to see the difference here. One of the themes in our culture, especially in the media and films and television, is to believe in yourself, right, or uh, to follow your heart. And those themes you see as we look into this prayer, that's, that's actually opposite of what? What we're instructed to do as followers of Jesus. We're not to, to uh, follow our heart or believe in ourselves. Um, so let's look at uh, the end of verse 16. There. He says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. So if you're following along, there's a listening guide in your program today. If you are following along, these, um, this first blank here, it's, it's not our heart, but it's God's spirit that makes the difference. Um, so it's not, uh, okay, I'm going to believe in my heart today and I'm going to live with no regrets. I'm going to believe in my heart today and I'm going to, uh, treat people just like I keep wanting to treat them and I can't seem to figure it out. Right. Um, but it's actually God's spirit, uh, in the inner man. And so there's, there's a power there that is not from ourselves. Right. And that's one of the key things in this verse is that we, we've got these goals and accomplishments. We want to succeed. Living with no regrets is not a bad idea. Right. Uh, Fulfilling certain dreams and goals is not a bad idea. But how do we approach it all in a way that really honors God and we really we really find lasting success? That's kind of what's going on here. Um, So Paul's prayer is two things that I think are helpful for us as we look at prayer in our lives. One, it's sincere. He really cared about the Ephesians and he really wanted good for them. He meant this. It wasn't. Thanks for the food. Give me a safe day. Okay, see you later. Right. Again, that's not a bad prayer, but we want to be sincere. We want to mean what we ask of God. And it was also specific. And I think that's sometimes where I can get lost is I'm not specific. I'm like, God, just make it all good. See you later. Right. Just make make it all better. That would be great. Um, But there's a specific thing, specific approach here. Now, one thing that I want to to look at in as we keep going here in verse 17. Oh, it's here now. Sorry. Um, I'm over here. Uh, to be strength, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So we've already got three things um, here. You've heard of this before. He says, I bow on the knees before the Father. Um, I want you to be strengthened through his spirit, Father's spirit, um, so that Christ may dwell. So we've heard this before, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? This, this is the Trinity, makes up who God is. 
And he's asking that Christ may dwell in your hearts uh, through faith. The reason that he says this is because life, real life, is only found in relationship to God. And so if we're trying to live with no regrets or, or accomplish these other things in our life, but we are disconnected from the creator where the power source is, we're going to find ourselves frustrated and discouraged and ultimately giving up. Because what we really need in life is something that only God can do. So we're separated from God because of sin. And we've heard this word before. Sin is missing the mark. It's not being perfect. The first man and woman on earth sinned. And we have all said, hey, we think that's a good idea too by our own actions. We've all sinned. We said, I'm going to try that too. And so that separated us from God. And because of that separation, we, we don't have a relationship with God. And God was concerned enough about that that he sent Jesus. Right? Jesus was sinless. He didn't, he didn't make a mistake. And he was perfect. And he died to restore our relationship with God. And the reason this matters is because now we can... If we've made Jesus boss, if we believe that he's done that for us and asked his forgiveness, we can have relationship with God, and now, now we have access to this power. So the prayer here is that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I believe that he did this for me, and I want to make him boss. I want to follow him. So the next thing as we, we go down on, on our little listening guide is that God, God forgives me. And this is pretty liberating because now we have access to God and all these things that weigh us down, a lot of the stuff that weighs us down, I mean, these motivational quotes are there for a reason. Forget the past. You know why? Because you don't like things that happened in the past. What happened to you, what you did to other people, uh, how that affected relationships, how that affected your finances, your work, whatever. You don't like it. And, and we're always trying to find things and say, okay, I can leave that behind. I'm going to forget my past. I'm going to live with no regrets. Well, we've been forgiven. So all that weight that we carry on our shoulders of, of the guilt and the shame is gone. God has, God has erased it. Now, whether we forgive ourselves, that may be another process that God helps you through. But if you're asking God to forgive you, uh, when Christ died and, and came back to life, that was, it was fun, it done. Jesus said that, actually. He said, it is finished. Not, I'm going to keep finishing this. It's finished. It's done. Now, now, until we get the other side of this life into heaven, we won't see perfection but we have the strength through the Spirit of God and His power to make progress and to live a life um, forgiven. So that's a huge deal. And, and accessing God, we have this forgiveness, and that really helps. And as you grow, your prayers change. When I was 10, I prayed different prayers than I do now. Right? God be with me. That's a great prayer. Actually, God says in Scripture, I'll never leave you. I'll never fail you. I'll never forsake you. So it's almost as if God is saying... Okay, done. Now what? Um, God wants to hear from us. My question is, I guess, do you believe that? You may be a person who believes God wants to answer their prayers. They're, they're pretty neat. He doesn't want to answer mine. <clears throat> if you do think that way, let me encourage you kindly to knock it off. Because God has said he cares about you. He does want to answer your prayers. He does want to listen to you. And when he goes through the lengths of sending his son to die, a, a brutal and terrible death to restore your relationship with him, uh, I don't know what else he needs to do to convince you of this, but I want to encourage you today to really spend time thinking about the fact 
that God wants to hear from you. And he wants to hear specifically from you. What, what is going on? What, what are these requests that you would, you would have to make them clear? Um, because he says here that he wants, in fact, let's look at the rest of the passage of this prayer that Paul is praying. Um, so we got to, uh, yeah, let's start with 18 and 19. May be able to, so that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, and that power we know is the Spirit of God from verse 16, uh, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. It's good prayer. And it's very specific what he's asking. And he's reminding us, what Paul's doing at the end is reminding us of the God we serve. This is a God who is able to do far more abundantly than beyond what you can ask or think. Have you ever asked a kid what they want to be when they grow up or what they want for Christmas? They've got an imagination. You could go broke trying to fulfill that wish list, right? But you think if God is saying, your God can do abundantly far more than you ask or imagine... Uh, that is the power. That is the source that you have access to through the, through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's an encouraging thing. And it doesn't fluctuate. It doesn't fl- because you're having a bad week, God did not get any less perfect. And because you're having a bad week or day or month or year or decade, God is not any less perfect and he does not care any less about you. He cares as much about you as he did uh, the day that he sent Jesus to die. Right? He, it, it, the day from creation, right? So we really want to get that right because it's going to affect the way we approach God. God forgave me. He loves me. He wants to hear from me. He wants to hear specifically my request. Like he cares about that. He does. That's the truth. Anything else you're telling yourself is is not true. And when we believe a lie and when we rehearse lies in our in our mind, that gets in our heart and that sets the direction of our life. Right? And it's hard. Because depending on what your background is, your past, it's hard to trust people. Um, you, you realize you only trust yourself. Uh, you don't trust other people. Some of these things that have worked into the fabric of our, of our lives, because of what's happened to us, we may need to ask God's help to unwork some of these things so that we can make progress here. And that's a specific prayer, too. God, I don't want to give anything up. I, I don't trust you. Help me. That's a sincere prayer, and that's, that's the progress that, that we can make, right? It's just from here to here. It's one step, you know, is what God is, God is leading us through as we pray. But we, we look at Paul's prayer, and um, you can imagine him just saying that, and it's pretty encouraging. It, it kind of pumps you up. So I want to jump back to, um, well, yeah, I want to jump back to Proverbs. So we're going to the Old Testament for a little bit. And you'll see a verse printed on your handout that talks about a tranquil heart. Um, a tranquil, so a tranquil heart is life to the body, but passion is rottenness to the bones. You think about a place that is tranquil to you, that is peaceful. Probably not traffic, right? Probably not in the middle of your kitchen with a few kids screaming. But maybe a beach, maybe in front of your favorite plate of food, maybe all alone, right? Just somewhere quiet. You think of that feeling when you're tranquil. When, it, when, you're, when you're at peace, 
Think of having that attitude of calmness in the middle of your real life, in the middle of chaos, in the middle of uh, a boss who you are not interested in seeing on Tuesday, assuming you have tomorrow off, um, who, who you're not interested in seeing because they should never have been made boss in this company. All right? Um, how do you have a tranquil heart when you are having the hardest time navigating your marriage? And figure out how to communicate with this person and how we can actually be teammates moving forward together. Or how, how to parent. How do you have tranquility and calmness and peace when, when everybody else's kids seem to be well-behaved and together and you don't want to take yours to the grocery store, right? Um, or, or your finances. You're looking at the money that you have or you don't have. And you're like, where did it go? I make money. I know they pay me. I'm not a volunteer, right? But I don't know where it is. So how do you have peace in the middle of, of these things? Well, a tranquil heart, so the, uh, the heart of the mind, this is, this is the center where we make decisions. It's, the, it's where we treasure things. It's where we rehearse the good or the bad. Um, it's where we, we decide what we believe, and it sets the direction of our life. So if you're always saying, God doesn't love me, God doesn't hear me, God answers their prayers, he doesn't answer mine, that's definitely going to set a certain direction in your life, and it's the opposite of a tranquil, a tranquil heart. Tranquil heart comes from one, one source, and that's Jesus Christ. There's peace in him, there's forgiveness in him, there's life in him. And scripture teaches there's no other way to that peace. And God has that available to all of us. He has made that available. Let's look at the opposite here, passion. Passion is rottenness to the bones. Um, now, if I were to ask you, what do you prefer about these two options? You want life to the body, or would you like rottenness to the bones? I think we'd all land on the side of, of life to the body, right? But what passion is, is, is like acting out of emotion, right? You're, you're, you're acting out of a response. So uh, the nightly news will evoke a response, and you will want to react, maybe out of anger, maybe out of anxiety, maybe out of fear, maybe out of worry. But if our lives are going, we're bouncing from emotion to emotion, reaction to reaction, someone in traffic cuts you off, there's a certain reaction, there's a certain emotion. The tranquil heart, how does that play in that scenario, right? Uh, but if we're always responding, uh, someone on Facebook posts something, you cannot believe they would post that. I'm so mad, I'm going to type something back or whatever. It's emotion, right? I can't believe it. So if we're living our lives based on emotion, passion, that's rottenness to our bones. That's not good for us. Um, in fact, I would go so far as to say that's borrowing trouble. That's a, that's, a, that's a term I heard from my mom, but I know a lot of people have said it. I'm not saying she invented that term, but that's where I heard it growing up. Joel, you're borrowing trouble. And Jesus actually says that too in, in Matthew 6:34. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worry of its own. Uh, uh, tomorrow, yeah, has enough trouble of its own. Um, no, each day has enough trouble of its own. Sorry. Today has enough trouble of its own, so don't worry about tomorrow, right? Trusting God. Borrowing trouble says... I know on Tuesday when I go see my boss, it's going to go this way. I know when I get up tomorrow morning, my kid is going to say this, and I'm going to lose it. Right? It, it, you're, you're, you're in the next day already, or maybe you're already thinking about lunch today and how you, can, you, you don't want to do it with these people or whatever it is. Right? Borrowing trouble. Right? This is, this is not uh, indicative of a tranquil heart that's life to the body, but you can have that peace. This verse has been a help for me over the last several months, just as I walk through the different scenarios going on in my own life, realizing, okay, what I'm hearing right now is not good news. 
what I'm seeing right now is frustrating me, whatever the scenario may be. But a tranquil heart, really it's reflecting the God we serve. It's a quiet confidence that God is working all of this out for good. It's not because we're crazy. How could you be at peace when this and this and this are happening? Well, it's not because I'm, my head's in the sand and I'm, I'm nuts. It's because there's a God who is bigger than that situation. There's a God who is hearing my prayers. There's a God who's specifically asking me to come to him with these requests because, yes, you can't solve this problem. But God can, and God can help you navigate through it. And trouble is not a bad thing. Trouble is not a bad thing. Borrowing trouble from tomorrow, that's not good. But trouble comes your way, God will help you and give you the resources and the power and the strength you need to get through it. A tranquil heart is life to the body, but passion is rottenness to the bones. Are we reacting out of emotion? Are we reacting just because we, everything we do is based on what someone just did to us, right? I parented that way. I just start the day. If something happens, I should shut it down. Everybody knock it off. Quiet. To your rooms. Don't want to hear it. I don't care. Bleed in your room. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, uh, but that's not the idea, right? Passion is rottenness to the bones. We don't want to always react out of emotion. We want that peace. So, the next thing on our, on our listening guide, turn it over to the back if you're following along that way. God hears me. That's the confidence. The confidence is... God's heard my prayers. I've made it known to God. As I start this day, God, I've shared with you, this is what's on my heart. These are the needs. This is what I need power for. This is what I need strength for. I know that strength comes from your spirit that's within me. Um, will you help me? So the confidence to know I've been heard. Right? We, that matters to us. How many times have you had a conversation with somebody, you're looking at them, and you say, hey, you're not listening to me. I'm here, and you didn't hear anything I said. We want, to be, we want to be heard and listened to. I guess those are two different things. I heard you. I didn't listen, but I heard you talking, right? But God actually hears and listens, and that's a big deal. That's a huge deal. So I want to look. We're going to, go, we're going to keep jumping back in the old, you know, farther back in the Old Testament. This is Exodus 20, 20. If you're familiar with this passage, it's the, uh, the Ten Commandments are earlier, found earlier in this chapter. And what just happened was the, well, Moses got the Ten Commandments, but also the Israelites saw this display of God's power uh, up on the mountain where Moses was getting the Ten Commandments. So there's thunder, lightning, smoke, trumpets, just a, a show of power that scared them. In fact, in verse 19 that, that precedes this verse, um, they said, Moses, you talk to us. We don't want God to talk to us because we'll die. Because there was this real fear of the power of God, and they did not want to die, right? It's a good goal. It's one of my goals today. And Moses said to people, do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you, and in order that the fear of him may remain with you, so that you may not sin. Um, last May, it was, I think it was last May, a year ago, uh, my wife and I and our three kids live in a townhome community. There's like 140 townhomes. They're all painted the same. They look the same. It's easy to get lost, right, because it's just a bunch of homes that look similar. And I was at work, and three of those townhomes caught on fire. Not ours, but ones in our complex. And um, I was at work. Wife and kids were there. Neighbors were out watching townhomes burn. So you can imagine for my three kids to see houses that look exactly like theirs up in flames, what that would do to you. Um, 
So there was a lot of fear involved, and we, we, we are a, a home on high alert if there's ever a smell of smoke in the area anymore. You know, one of my children is, is very astute at smelling smoke, and I cook a lot of bacon uh, with amazing regularity, and so I set off the smoke alarm in our home with alarming uh, regularity. Yeah, often. Often the smoke alarm goes off. That's just part of living in our home. Um, so the kids know, you know, you get on a chair, you get the dish rag, you wave it in front of the smoke alarm, and we're back. But, um, but since the fire, even though we know the bacon thing, um, you know, pitter-patter of feet coming to the kitchen, checking everything out, making sure we're, we're good, the structure is safe. Um, we've got a neighborhood, a neighbor who barbecues every Saturday night. You smell the barbecue still. One of my children has to go check and make sure that's his barbecue and not our townhomes burning, which I appreciate. Right there's this level of appreciation uh, for fire and reverence and respect. Why? Because they see what it could do. The, these townhomes that burned last year, they're almost ready for the people to move back in. They've been displaced for a year as these have been re, rebuilt. That's what happened here. They experienced a situation that stuck with them. You ever had one of those? Good or bad, I remember it like it was yesterday. Remember, something happens to you when you're a kid. It's like I can remember the war. I can remember the smells. I can remember everything. Because it's, it was alarming or profound or impactful in some way. So let's look at this, though. Because God's goal isn't just to scare us. It just isn't. It says, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. And at that point, they're like, too late, Moses. This was scary, right? For God has come in order to test you. So Moses is giving um, instruction on there's there's purpose behind this trouble. God is not just saying, ah, gotcha, scaring you, right? He's going to test you. Well, then you're like, well, test me. That seems kind of mean. Why, why, why don't you just tell me what you need and I'll help you? Don't don't put me through a test. And he says next, there's more. It's not just to test you, and in order that the fear of him may remain with you. There is a healthy fear of fire in my home now, and I'm not mad about that. Obviously, I haven't stopped cooking bacon, but I appreciate that, you know, there are safety measures in place. Um, the fear of him, that, that fear, God wants you to remember this. God wants you to remember this, that he is powerful and that he is almighty. And as we look through these other prayers with Paul today, uh, one of the things I want us to remember is that these other things, God forgives us. God hears us. This is true. Put a stake in the ground. And any time you say, this is never going to work out, um, God doesn't hear me, God doesn't love me, you go back to that moment and you say, oh, that's right, it does. That, this doesn't change. This truth doesn't change. It does not change. But that, wait, there's more. The end. So that you may not sin. Do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you and in order that the fear of him may remain with you. Why? So that you may not sin. Sin separates us from God. Sin leads to death. The Bible teaches us the wages of sin is death. That's what we get paid for sinning. And we know that to be true. We all die. We've had plenty of people that we've known in our lives that have passed on. God's concern is for us not to be separated from him. I'm doing all this stuff so that you may not sin. Because you know why? Sin destroys relationships, destroys finances, destroys businesses, destroys lives, and it kills. 
I have restored your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And through that relationship, you can navigate all of this. With the power of the Spirit of God within you. Not by believing in yourself and not by following your heart. But by trusting in a real God who has real power and who really wants to engage us and give us help in life. So that the fear of him may remain with you so that you may not sin. Um, Alex Barrett, who pastors our campus in Alhambra, is planting a church in North Fontana in September. There's 14 people on, on the church plant team, eight, eight adults, six children. Uh, my wife and I and our three children are part of this team that are heading to North Fontana this summer. So in an effort to move that direction, we put our house up for sale in February. I usually don't cry about real estate, but anyways. Um, although after the last few months, it's, it's gotten me close. Um, but um, we've hit a lot, a lot of snags, which is fine, right? This is, this is what we're talking about, is that, that there's trouble, and you, you try to make, make sense of it. And Randy, be proud that I'm crying. Um, but... I really, of all the things in going over the sermon this week, I didn't think I'd cry about my house trying to be sold. But anyways, this is not your problem. So, um, <clears throat> we put our house up for sale in late February, early March. It sold in six days. It's great. Um, at the end of escrow, the buyer canceled the sale. It went back on the market. We sold our house again in a, within a week. Uh, the day after that money was wired into escrow, the buyer canceled the sale. Our house goes back on the market. Um, oh, within a week and a half, uh, the buyer canceled the sale. Our house goes back on the market. So the other day I was praying <clears throat> with my kids. Uh, God, it's something along the lines of God, um, help us to sell our house, lead in this transition to North Fontana. Amen. Right? And one of my kids said, and, <clears throat> and pray that they stick with it this time. <laughs> That's specific. Right? I was like, oh, yeah, because they know we've sold, we've sold the house three times, Dad. Right? So why don't, we, why don't we ask God that this person actually sticks with it through the end of escrow? I was like, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a specific prayer. And, you know, I was reminded through, uh, through that that God, that's right, God, God hears me. And he really wants what's best for me. And I can specifically make known these requests to him. And he's going, he's going to meet our needs. Um, we accepted a fourth offer this week. I think we're two days into escrow, so that's our prayer right now, is that they stick, they stick with it, is the prayer. Um, the, la- the last thing on your listening guide is God is for me. I think I skipped over that one a second ago. But God is for me. And at, as I remind myself of that, and I believe that, you know, that God is on my side, it helps make sense and put into perspective uh, some of the trouble. I don't understand like why my house fell out of escrow three times, and there's plenty of people who have far worse issues in life than that. I, I understand. But whatever it may be, whatever's going on with you is a big deal because it's a big deal to you, so that concerns the God who loves you and created you. And, and to remember that God is working this out, not just testing you for the fun of it, to sit back and laugh, but in testing you uh, so that you remember the fear of him may remain with you. Why? So that you don't sin. Why? Because sin leads to death. 
That's not the direction we want to go. Right? As we um, wrap up, uh, the band's going to come out in a little bit, and um, we're going to receive the offering. I wanted to take a look at some next steps you'll see there on your listening guide. Um, the first one, these are suggestions. These, these, maybe this is something that makes sense and resonates with you that you want to apply to do this week. There may be something else that God brought to your attention that you need to, to address or deal with this week. That's fine. This, these are not like a, nobody's testing anyone on this. It's just suggestions for, for next steps. So let's look at them. Uh, one is maybe you want to memorize Proverbs 14.30. A tranquil heart is life to the body, but passion is rottenness to the bones. That may be a good reminder as you go throughout your day and you just want to respond out of emotion. You're like, you know what? God help me in this moment to, to, to act calmly and graciously and kindly even when I really don't want to. And, may, and God to give you peace there. The second one, when I'm tempted to borrow trouble this week, I will remind myself that God is for me. And just stop it there. Because when we just let our minds go, it takes us out of the things we need to be taking care of. You and I all have responsibilities we have to handle this week. And if we're sitting, uh, kind of going down a rabbit trail of lies, uh, we can't address the things that we really are responsible for. That's dangerous. So just stop it. Just say, I'll remind myself, you know what, God is for me, and I'm going to keep moving forward in faith. And the last thing is this week I will pray specifically for, and then you can fill in the blank. Is there something that you're dealing with that's going on in your life that you need God's help and his power with? Ask him. Ask, ask God for help. Um, and he, he is faithful to give you uh, wisdom, clarity, and help. And there may be other people that you trust in your life that you can get advice from uh, as well. All right, will you pray with me as we uh, continue on in worship? Dear God, we thank you for uh, your word. We thank you for the power that comes from knowing you. Thank you for sending Jesus to restore our relationship with you. We pray, God, that we really do um, tap into the power of your spirit within us that you provided uh, through Christ. We ask for strength this week as we move forward in faith, that we could be uh, people of peace, that are calm, that trust you with our futures, that trust you with our presence uh, today, and that we also leave our past with you and trust you to, to make good of whatever trouble may be behind us, that you would uh, use that, God, to, to glorify yourself and, and to teach us as we grow in you. So we ask your help, God, as we, as we navigate life and faith with you. In Christ Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.